0: All right, well, we are going to take a look at a portion of scripture that many of you have read, maybe could say accurately, most of you have read. It's a portion of the Christmas story. We're going to look at it today. We're going to look at it from a perspective of um, learning from life's problems because life has those. Have you noticed there's just certain things that come up, that open up, that end up, in front of us and and within us that cause us to then sort through how how do I work this out? How do I work through this? And I love the fact that, you know, as we look into the Word of God, as we're willing to just dig in, believing that He will teach us individually, that He will speak to us in ways that no human being can, that He will actually teach us His Word. He will actually teach us the things that we need to know to do what we call life, or we're, we're looking at a portion today that's, that's familiar for many people, you know, as I've said. And, and one thing that's interesting about that element of familiarity is we can take a, a review and be reminded of what's in it. You know, sometimes we, we know something, we read something, so we know something, but we knew it then, we just may not know it now. You understand what I'm saying? You know, there's so much to be learned in, in this season because, you know, that some of you are old or <laughs> some of you are younger, but you're in a different season than you were this time last year. You're at a different point in life and some things have been pretty heavy for many people and, and some things have been very exciting, but there's different things to be learned at this time. You know, when you were... In grade school, or preschool, actually, you were probably learning principles such as one plus one is two, right? Two plus two is four. No matter what common core math you use, it's still the principle doesn't change. Well, when you were in sixth grade, I was in sixth grade and Mr. Hunter was my teacher. And he started teaching stuff that was way beyond one plus one is two. He presented principles and things that are like, why didn't they just tell me all that stuff in first grade and get it out of the way? Well, because although I heard the basics there, we know this element, this aspect of maturing and growing, there's always new being, something being revealed, something new. And so when we look at a passage of scripture that we're familiar with, we also want to see what else is there that I'm ready for now. That maybe six months ago, two years ago, it was still resident. It just hadn't hadn't been opened up. God just, maybe for some good reason, just said, well, not yet. And so today we're gonna look at a portion um, we can learn from life's problems and hopefully we can have application. I believe we can, we will. Have you ever had your life plans changed? Suddenly change on you? You know, we all have certain... Cultural things, maybe, maybe the American dream, or maybe a desire for certain things, or relationships, or whatever. Some of it's some people are prone to to think about it a lot. Uh, Many of us don't. We just kind of hope it works out. So we got some plans, but yet sometimes those plans get interrupted, and we hadn't even been thinking about it. You find out something takes place, something happens. It's disruptive. You find yourself sleepless, restless worrisome, anxious, uncertain, too much unknown. Now what are we going to do? There's a person in our story today that you're, you know the name, Mary. Mary was told that, that she would carry this infant, this Christ's child, the Messiah, the anointed one. And what an amazing a privilege that would be for this young teenager. Perhaps it was a dream of hers. It, it probably was. Um, this a far-off dream, because most every Jewish girl desired to be that one, that the anointed one, the Messiah, would be brought through to bring into the world. And it wasn't complicated in one sense. Uh, Saul, King Saul, had a mom. King David had a mom. Moses had a mom. And so this special one that, that would come into the world would have a mom. And so most every teenager girl would would consider that. And, and Mary, I believe she probably did. Because of her lifestyle, because of how she lived for God, even at an early age. But her life changed really fast. Some things tried and changed in a rather dramatic way. Literally, when she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Not through the normal course of human interaction between a male and a female. But in a miraculous way, she now has this child within her her husband to be he actually was her husband in a in a cultural sense joseph he was betrothed to mary the betrothal period uh, was much more of a commitment than our engagement period. Our engagement period uh, is, is not quite as binding as this betrothal period was. But for a betrothal period, if you were to end the relationship, it took a divorcement. You know, you had to file for a divorce, so to speak. So you get as much. So Joseph, he gets the word. He gets the word what? The Mary's pregnant. Now, Joseph, I believe he wanted to honor God. And I believe that's easy to see from what we know about him. I believe he wanted to live a good life, raise a family, have a good reputation, be a good carpenter, you know, but there's something that has now changed as he's engaged, betrothed to Mary, he's told that she's pregnant. That was not a part of his plan, I can assure you. So let's consider Matthew chapter 1. Let's read through it as our approach is. I'd like to follow that common practice that we we engage in. Read through the passage and then come back and and kind of unfold and open it up and, and see how these principles apply to our personal lives. In Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So let's go back to the beginning there in verse 18 of the portion of Scripture we'll look at. And we'll consider reality, what really is the life. And we've already I've already laid the groundwork, if you would, for their desires as people young. Mary, much younger than Joseph, but I'm confident because what we know about her—that she just really wanted to know God. She wanted to walk in in this closeness with God, and she wanted to honor God. But now she's pregnant—almost an unexplainable pregnancy, you could say, right? I mean, how did I've pondered and wondered, and still kind of am curious about this conversation between Mary and Joseph. How was your day, Joe? Good. You know, got a splinter. Made a few things. It's a good day. Yeah, mine too. You know, something happened a couple days ago. I forgot to mention to you, but I'm pregnant. Excuse me? I mean, how do you, how do you introduce that? You know what I'm saying? How, I don't even, really, I can't even, I can only just wonder how. It's a problem. It's a problem in the relationship. Because here's something that is so unique in all of history, and yet I think we can pull from it some things that we can learn. Because here she is like, I want to serve God, I want to do what's right. And unique among all women, she is the one that will bring forth God in human form. And yet, in the midst of that, it's not easy. Following God is not easy. Serving God is not the way you think it want, it's supposed to be. You don't get to pick everything. You know, here she chooses to, to seek Him and, and never even really knowing. And then an angel visited her, we're told another passage of Scripture, and explained things to her. And she has to mention it to Joseph. And let's carry that into Joseph. Here's Joseph in verse 19 being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example. So here he realizes what's been said, the ramifications and what's going to happen to the reputation, all the rumors, all the gossip that's going to go. And he's still trying to sort out what she said and trying to figure out how it is. He realizes we see even from the wording in the verse previous, the birth of Jesus, Mary was his mother, but Joseph was not his father. He will have that cultural role of, of bringing about, you know, the, the training and the instruction in a cultural sense for young Jesus. But he's, he's not the father. And now he's, think, he's got to work through, okay, what are people going to say? I believe he had a great reputation. I believe he was well-known. I believe he was a very hard worker. All the credentials, all the, the you know, um, distinctive, if you would, of a man of character. And yet he's going to have to deal with something. And here's where the first point I would bring to you from this study. Joseph could see the people in the midst of the problem. His concern was for Mary. Learn to see the people in the midst of the problem. Don't let the problem blind you. Don't let the problem be the main thing, but rather keep the people in view. Can you somehow try to associate or Understand, it's like, I understand, I don't want to make a public spectacle of her. Because that, that would, could be done if you reacted spontaneously or emotionally or more, you know, what do people think of me mentality. You could easily find yourself, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, I mean, she should, this, she's pregnant, this is what we should do. But, but he's, he's actually, you can tell there's something that he's working through. Because he's, he's a just man. I mean, he wanted to do right. He wanted to do the right thing. And sometimes when we're doing the right thing, it's a hard thing to do. But you know, as you look at this, he was, he was concerned for her, not wanting to make a spectacle of her, was minded to put her away secretly. He's like, you know what, I'm not going to subject her to all the gossip and all the garbage. She's a good woman. She's a good woman, and I don't understand what she's talking about, that she's all of a sudden pregnant, but she wasn't with man. Because he did, I don't think he got it. I, I don't know how you get it. <laughs> well, he does here in a little bit. He gets it. But you see, he's like, I'm not going to do that to her. Culturally, it would have been the right thing to do. It would have cleared his name to throw her to the wolves, so to speak. But he knew there's just, this is something not right about this. And I want to encourage you. Sometimes you just, the right thing to do, you just know what to do. I like to say it this way. The right thing to do is the right thing to do. It's always the right thing to do. Is it the easy thing? Generally, no. Oftentimes, not at all. But here we have a man who's willing to just stop and go, you know what? This isn't right. I'm not, I'd rather, I'm not concerned for her. Learn to see the people in the midst of the problem. Because we know God is more concerned about people than problems. Correct? Correct? The problems that we face are sometimes, oftentimes, overwhelming or unexplainable or hard to work out, the, the problems. But when we see the people, suddenly the intensity of the problem starts changing. Sometimes the direction, that we, the way we'll diffuse or deal with the problem is, is vastly altered when we consider the people, when we consider with mercy, with compassion, with love, with forgiveness. You know, he, he, you think about how he's working through this. How does he, how does he handle this? Guys, come on, seriously, think about this. How would you deal with that? It's like, man, that's heavy business. That's a hard thing to think through. But I encourage you, you know, being patient, and we'll come to that here in a little while. Um, just learning to kind of like, okay, let's just kind of sort this out. Let's, let's consider some things in the next verse. While he thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So, the first part I would bring out of that is be mindful of God while thinking about the problem. So, Joseph is dealing with a situation that was even, you could say, scripturally unexplainable. Although, there's a passage that we see spoke of this taking place. But the application and the understanding of it would have been very hard to, to see and to take hold of. And so here we have a person who is mindful of God while thinking about the problem, Uh, learning to to weigh it out and to work through it. It says, you know, that while he thought about these things, you could probably use contemporary descriptions and and verbiage, while he wrestled with this reality, while he weighed out what has just changed. I don't know what their conversation, say, in the morning was, but the conversation now has changed. And then they're dealing with something completely different, completely unseen. And what I love about his approach is that he's weighing out what what's what's where's God in all of this? Where's God in this reality? Where's God in this? Because I, I believe he's he knows her very well, not intimately, but he knows her, and he's like hey, how does this work? Be mindful of God while thinking about the problem. Weigh out what's going on. Be receptive to counsel. Receive and weigh out advice. God will bring advice and counsel to you through other Christians. He will illuminate the word of God. He will bring godly, good, solid counsel through completely reprobate people as well what? How could he do that? Yes. He'll bring it through the media. He'll bring, whatever. He'll just, there's certain people sometimes in your life that you maybe don't even respect their moral and ethical and their well not their character, but their lack of. But you know, sometimes God can bring a truth right through them and it just sticks in your head. Have you noticed that? If we're willing to receive counsel and to weigh it out. I've received advice, counsel, so to speak, from people I didn't even like people that I would not even consider them to be honest or truthful people or even intelligent in the areas we're talking about things. But God will actually use sometimes just whatever he chooses. He did it here. Can you, can you see that? Do you notice that when he spoke to Joseph, he spoke to him in a dream through an angel. So the angel didn't even show up. It was in a dream. Now, <laughs> I think about those things like, mm, that's interesting. Because I don't ever have dreams. Maybe you guys do, but I have trailers. <laughs> I have little snippets of dreams all melted together. And I don't know if it's an action figure or a romantic. I don't know what kind of thing's going on in my head. I just, I wake up and like, and I'll be like, okay, then I was being chased by a bear. But then there was this unicorn in rainbows. And then there was, I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so weird. And I, I hear Kim talk about her dreams. And I'm like, how do you put them all together? And now there are times that, that some things just make sense, but I think it's so interesting. God didn't appear with a burning bush, you know, entrance like he did to Moses, to Joseph. He didn't make this grand extravagant, here's how you'll know it's my voice. He spoke in a dream through an angel in the dream. It, I would think he would show up firsthand. This is big business. This is the most important story ever. But I want to say that because just don't limit God. You know, when he brings truth, let it be illuminated. Way out, be mindful of God while thinking about the problem. Because you got to be honest in this situation, and like many of our situations that are not this extreme, but they're similar in some ways, doing the right thing can be a scary thing. Doing the right thing can be a difficult thing. As we consider the impact and the effect and then realizing okay this is the right thing to do but man this is going to be interesting and we live in a time that's it's, it's just it's not even we can't even just call it strange it's 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 i can't even come up with a word for it that we live in a time that we'll have public discussion about the castration and mutilation of children all under the guise of getting along and everybody being tolerant with one another. And somehow we're supposed to be okay that we can force upon minors a gender change, something that should be illegal. And it shows where we have went as a culture that we can somehow feel good about a conversation that should never have been had. It should not be. How can we be so at ease with this? The right thing is the right thing. And that's not a point of tolerance. That's abuse. It should not be. And yet, even as I say it, I, I know there's people out there in the internet land that if they heard this, they'd be freaking out. Like I'm some kind of villain. I'm done with this. I'm so, I, I'm, it's sad that we're so silent. Seriously. We've got to stop. We've got to start understand the right thing is always difficult. And I, you know, you've heard me, I've shared before on the reality and the truth of abortion. It it should not even be a discussion. If you cannot establish when life begins, you'll never know the value of life. You will not. If you won't agree on when it starts, if you lie to one another that when life begins, and then you go to another place and there's a traffic accident and you're checking for vital signs and you find vital signs, so you determine this life is worth ministering to. But then you go back to this other situation and say, we have vital signs, but it's not a human yet. Human yet. It's, can we can we stop and go wait a minute? Why is it, it it's a, doing the right thing is a hard thing? I'm not saying we should be rude and, and abrasive, but we should be firm and compassionate. And we should realize that the right thing is hard to do. We need to to realize that. Well what will people say if I take a stand? What will God say if you don't? What will people what about the I, I, it's not easy. You may have that person in mind. You may be aware of a situation with far more detail than my examples will carry. But you have to weigh it out. What's the right thing to do? How do I work through this? How do I do what's right? I want to be mindful of God while thinking through this problem. Which we'll move on into the next portion. So we have learn to see the people in the midst of the problem. Be mindful of God while thinking about the problem. And in verse 21, we would consider be a part of a bigger plan. So in this dream, the angel now speaks to Joseph, and he tells him something that's going to take place. She, meaning Mary, will bring forth a son, and you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. Be a part of a bigger plan. See, they had a part in it. Do you catch that? She will be the one that Christ's child, Jesus, is born through. And he will have a part name in him, Jesus. God is salvation. Salvation is with you. Salvation is of God. And, and it, it's not always so easy to see that. But it's important that we do stop and look. What is my part? What is my place? What is my portion? You know, I, I don't want to be so consumed by the problem that I can't. Take a bigger view, a broader view, a more clear view. God's not surprised by the Mary and Joseph dilemma, right? He didn't like bring forth this plan for humanity to know, because he's always known it. He didn't bring it forth and go, oh, I overlooked that one detail. How will Mary and Joe be treated? I forgot about that. It's not, not even possible, He totally is aware of their dilemma. God invites us to be a part of a bigger purpose, even though it seems to be somewhat of a problem. Sin did not surprise God. See, we're not here as some of us think, and I I work through this and still work through. Well, if God knew this would happen this way, then why did he allow it to be this way? Why didn't he change it in the first day? Did you work through that? Have you working on that? Are you thinking about that? If God knew man was going to go against him, why didn't God make man different so we wouldn't go against him? See, you just solved all problems of life. But the truth is, as we're working through that and we're weighing it out, we've got to realize it didn't surprise God. He has a purpose for fallen man. And that is to redeem them, to redeem humanity. You see, in this text, we're told that should call his name Jesus, God of salvation. He will save his people from their sins. The redemption of mankind is accomplished by Jesus Christ and him alone. God alone redeems humanity, redeems man. And, and it involves every single person. It's why we can see, and I won't get into the details of, of it, of course, but the virgin birth was so essential because the sin is passed from the father from the man Adam we know that we can dig into that and dig deeper so Jesus has a mother he's fully god and fully man has a mother and no sin nature he lives a sinless life he he literally the bible says in hebrews that he was tempted as we are tempted he faced the trials and difficulties and challenges of life that you face but sinned not so he doesn't sin didn't bring in the sin nature, and then he freely gives of his life. He gave his, pay, his life as a payment for our lives. Redeemed by him we're now his people. Who are his people? It says in this text that, you know, speaking in there in verse 20, I'm sorry, in verse 21, he will save his people from their sins. Well, when you understand the entire fabric of the, the, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is, a, is tied together and, and brings together this truth. And it leads us to Jesus Christ. If you thought about the genealogy in Genesis, did you realize, I'm sure you did, if you're more of a kind of a, quote, critical thinker, like, this can't be everybody on the planet. It, it can't be listed in all the people this early, even though they're this early. Why, which ones got, which ones, why were they listed? Because the ones listed were directing you and I to the, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Giving us this background that God said, this is how it'll be. So everything leads us to, the, to, to, to who Jesus is. Who are his people? Well, the Bible says that whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. That's not real restrictive. Have you thought about that? It includes whoever, which is whoever, everyone, anyone, whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. That's his people. It's not restrictive to Jew or Gentile because we know even as we see the gospel and the good news unfold, we see it even in the Old Testament, Isaiah 60. We see the message was to the Gentiles as well, the non-Jews. So consider this. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all inclusive. That means every, every person since Adam and Eve in the garden. All have sinned. Sin just speaks of missing the mark. God has given us a purpose. He's given us breath. He's given us life. And he is, he's kind of set it out before us. And yet everyone has said, I'm going to do it a little. I'll, do, I'll consider some of your ideas, God. But I'm going to do my variation, my approach to it. I'll do it my way. That's rebellion. That's rejecting God's plan and saying, I'm going to do it my way. So sin is just missing the mark, being off. I mean, everybody has missed the mark. Well, if you miss the mark, if there's a penalty for sinning, then maybe you could pay the penalty and things would be covered. Well, the Bible tells you and me that the penalty is, is documented. The wages of sin is death. So you could pay it, but you'd be dead so it's like hmm and then actually the bible speaks not dead and no longer existing existing but eternally separated from all that's good choosing to reject god carries a price and the price is complete and a complete rejection or separation from god so how do we deal with this well whoever believes on the lord jesus christ shall be saved remember he does not have a sin nature he doesn't have sin guilt, guilt from sin. So therefore, he is God and can die for your sins because your sins were not just against a fellow man. Your sins are against God. And no man can forgive you for what you've done against someone else. The only one who can offer forgiveness would be the creator we've sinned against. So really, it all kind of starts making sense as we see that the, this Christ child, Jesus, who we know so well by by. By name, by, by vote, by verbiage and saying him, God's drawn us to know him in a deeper way, that we would be born again, born of God. And notice what we see now as we move on to verse 22. And we're going to wrap this all up here towards the end. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Interesting. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord. It goes on to give us detail for what will follow in verse 23, but just stop right there for a second. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord. Do you know all of this, Genesis to Revelation, was given to us so we would know the ways of God, that we'd know, ultimately, if you could say it, who God is and how God is. I find that so, it's just, it's mind-boggling, he doesn't have a contractual obligation to tell us ahead of time how things will be. He doesn't have a relational requirement that he has to tell those he created how he'll be. But it's in his love he makes known to you and me. All this was done so that you would, you would know, so it would, it would, this would fulfill what God had spoken. You know, God has spoken how things are going to be, how they were in the beginning, how they'll be in the end. There's a kind of a cool term. It's called eschatology. It speaks of the end time study, or what we know the Bible says about the times to come. And if you've cruised YouTube or various other sources, you've probably come across, or maybe searched, prophecy updates, End times updates, right? Because maybe have not but a lot of people are. I mean it's like one of the top searches. End times. It's actually more now than it was in 2000. Those of you that were alive then, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know, 2000 was a crazy time. People were going generator crazy. Moved to the woods and grabbed some guns and, you know, I mean, kind of a little psycho. They were c- c- Why? Because it was the end. This was the time to come. Because the Bible speaks about those end times. And right now, things are being revealed. Why is it an issue? Why, is, why do we see that as what the lord has spoke will be fulfilled. There's one key event that should cause you to be deeply curious about the end times. It's the regathering of the nation of Israel. In 1948, the nation regathered. By 1950, you would read your bible differently. Because prior in 1947, You would be reading about Israel and and how they're going to be as a nation and how they would, would be globally and all the other countries around them and all around the world, but you'd be going, how can that be? They're dispersed. They're scattered abroad. They have no geographical boundaries. They have no governmental framework. They're gone. So you'd have to kind of maybe try to interpret your Bible different. But in 1950, by then the news would have been out, it would have been clear. And so we see the regathering of the nation Israel as a pivotal point in the prophetic picture. It's very important. And so now we're getting to see and and unfold, unfold different things that are happening that reveal just what the Lord has spoken. These things will be fulfilled just as he said it would be. Just as this story that we're reading we know to be true and fulfilled. Let's move over to our passage On to the next verse, verse 23. It's a quote out of Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, We'll take a look at that in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. We're told, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And this will be the sign which we know to be applied and, and fulfilled with Mary and Joseph, Mary specifically. Consider the Lord himself will give you a sign. Some have argued about this wording in the Hebrew, the word virgin, but I don't know why they argue. Well, I do, but I mean, some say, well, it means a young woman. It means a handmaiden, just a young person. Excuse me, can you catch the context for a minute? A young girl gets pregnant. Oh man, it must be a sign from God. That's no sign from God. That's a cultural reality, right? Oh, but if it's a virgin who conceives, now we're talking differently. How could that be? See, what does a sign do? Signs indicate something. They reveal or remind you of something. If you drive, I hope you understand this principle (laughs) because it makes sense. What is the reveal? What is the reminder that we find woven through Scripture consistently? God loves you. That's why he is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. He loves you. Why would God do so much for such an ungrateful group? I don't mean you, I mean humanity. Because by and large, humanity is ungrateful. We may be grateful when we're born of the Spirit and born again, but generally we're, we're not really grateful. We tend to be a little whiny. Why would God endure such hostility and hatred? It's it's, it's mind-boggling. Because he loves us. God is with us. God loves you. He's not against you. It's one of those things that many people fight throughout their life. There's a perception based on their personal experience, their experience oriented around how they do things and see things and are treated by people. And then this perception then leads them to think that, well, God's not really happy with me. I didn't do this. I didn't give that. I didn't, you know. And so like, oh, I let God down. I And one person shared with me after service that she, you know, there's just, she's disappointed God. I'm like, excuse me just a minute. How could you disappoint him if he knew everything about you before you did the disappointment? You may have disappointed yourself. It's literally not possible to disappoint God. For he knows you better than you know yourself. So does it make sense? We can disappoint ourselves. We cannot live up to our standards. But you, nothing surprises him. And yes, there's things that we're like, can bring displeasure. But he also teaches us by faith, we can please him. We can walk closer with him. What we're looking at here in Isaiah Blended together as God has taken and connected it to this story in Matthew, the Christmas birth, the parents involved, uh, the victory to come. All of these are indicators, they're signs, they're expressions of his love for us. So important, so important. Many of us ask, why when trouble arises? Is that not true? you find yourself in an unforeseen situation and, and even tragic circumstances. Why, God, when heartbreak stirs confusion? God, why, why? Perhaps in those moments we, we, we seek truth. Perhaps we seek and need relief. But often hope is beyond us. The joy is buried by sorrow. So we ask God, Why? And I believe it's good to to search, but it's also important that we learn to see the break in the clouds, to see the sunshine burst through even for a moment. In our moments of deep searching, those times when we wonder, you know, why we're here, what is my purpose, is God there? These are the moments to take a wider view, a wider peripheral perspective perhaps we can step back enough to see god's heart even in the hard times maybe we can just move back enough that in these moments we might ask god why god why did you suffer have you wondered about that Maybe when we take a perspective, we step away from the problem a little bit and we ponder what manner of love is this? That God himself would endure the hostility, the torture, the humiliation, the mockery of the cross. Why would he come? I mean, you think about how he, how, what the Bible tells us about how his life was, how people rejected He came to his own and his own people wouldn't receive him. They crucified him. You've dealt with rejection. You know how hard, how that just stirs your soul. It's so difficult to even process. He, he comes to people and, and he offers hope and, and he's frequently rejected. He, he walks among his own people, if you would, and, and, then, and then they talk about him. You know, even in his public life, they, they brought up the gossips, the gossip of this story we're reading. At least we weren't born of fornication. At least we weren't illegitimate, they would say, to Jesus as an adult because they heard the rumors back from the story we're reading about. Do you see, what kind of love is that? Can you do that? Would we do that? Would I do that? Would I extend that kind of love? No. I don't know that kind of love in and of myself. That kind of love is what we want to ask God. How can I know this love? Because this world hurts. This world hurts. There's things in this life that just don't make sense. It's a fallen world. And when we realize, man, God, I want to know this manner of love. As we've seen in 1 John, behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we would be called his children, children of God. That's a phenomenal love. I believe a contagious love. It's it's almost a magnetic love. It draws you in more and more and more. And when the problems arise, God, I how can I see your love in this? I want to see your love. I, I don't need answers because you know what happens when you say, why? God, why did this happen this way? And if he answered, then you go, well, why did you do it like that? And if he says, well, because of this, and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Shouldn't you have done this anyway? Do you, do, have you ever resolved things by just continually going, why? I, I want to back away and not see what I think needs to be done but I want to see what he has done I want to know his love in a deeper way moving back to our passage there in uh, Matthew we see verse 24 then Joseph being aroused from sleep did as an angel of the Lord commanded him he woke up that's really what's being told Then Joseph like what was that all about What just happened? And there was something in his existence, in his experience, where he realized what had happened. He understood the truth and the, the certainty of the situation. And he received comfort and instruction and responded with obedience. I hope you can do that. Receive the comfort and the instruction, whatever your situation and circumstances may be, and respond with obedience all this was done, it says that it might be fulfilled, what took place. We've seen how this is God with us, in verse 24. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. You know, I've already you know, kind of provoked to thought and consideration, Mary and Joseph's life was difficult in the early days. Very, very difficult. Joseph worked it out and weighed it out, and he knew it was going to be hard. He knew it would be very difficult. But he did the right thing. He knew, I can't really give you the answers to all this other stuff you may ask, but this is what I know to do. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go forward with the kindness and the compassion. Uh, We know very little about the man other than these critical uh, characteristics, these distinctives of character and integrity. Verse 25, he didn't know his wife until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. It happened exactly as God said it would. Isn't that interesting? It happened exactly how he said it would. This is what's going down, Joseph. This is what's happening, Mary. And this is how it'll unfold. She didn't get a pass on delivery. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, okay, baby's coming. Oh, don't need to push. It just happened. No pain, no nothing. Just like, oh, baby popped out. She, she went through some really tough stuff. Really difficult travel just prior to birth. I mean it was it was it was tough. They didn't get a pass just because there were special people before God. You're special people. We're special people. The Bible tells us that in First Peter. But we don't get a pass on pain. We don't get it to step away from problems. We can't take the right perspective, hopefully. When life changes, when life's plans change without your input, just happens. Look to God. Well, how do you do that? Let's do a quick review. First. Learn to see the people in the midst of the problem. It's not that easy. You can visibly see, oh, there's the one. I'll get that one, i get that one. No, that's not it. It's learn to see the people. To have empathy, consideration, kindness, compassion, concern. To so see the people in the midst of the problem... Second one, be mindful of God while thinking about the problem. We don't get to just say, well, it's all good. God will take care of it. I'm just going to sit here and sing hymns. We'll sing your hymns, but you got to think about how this is going to weigh out. You got to think through how this is going to work out. But you want to be mindful of God while you're thinking through the situation and the scenario. Be a part of a bigger plan. There's just bigger things happening than we realize all the time. You know, uh, we get married. Kim and I have been married for coming up on 40 years here in May. And, uh, you know, we got married and we have a kid and then another kid. And now we raise kids because you shouldn't abandon them. You know, it's worth the figure. So literally, I mean, there was about that much in my male brain. Like, oh, I guess we'll take care of it. I guess we can't send them back. So now you learn how selfish you are. First, you learned it when you got married. You didn't realize how selfish you were. But then your spouse helps you seal that. And then you have a child and you realize how much more selfish you still have, what's still left in you. By the time you get to six, you're still realizing you're selfish. But here's the point. As, as we're raising our children and doing certain things, it's much bigger. It was much bigger than just making sure they were dressed and they had their shoes on and they ate. It seemed like all there was because that's sometimes a problem. But in reality, it was much bigger. We're forming and shaping lives. We're impacting people. And as we would come in and we have the opportunity for 23 years to, to be, have our lives, you know, centered in serving and helping people and learning from people. And I get to see, I get to look back. I was just thinking this, to this even this morning, the people that lives have been changed because we get to do what we do. You know, I wasn't really thinking, oh wow, this person will come to know Christ, his life will be changed, his marriage will be restored, they'll be on their calling in the military community and they'll serve in another country and they'll lead a Bible study and they'll do all these. I honestly, I wasn't that vision oriented. I'm just trying to make sure I give a good Bible study and I gotta get done by a certain time. I had to stop and go, man, this is a bigger thing. Bigger things are happening than our little minds can understand. And I want to be a part of a bigger plan, don't you? I get overwhelmed by the magnitude of the mess of culture. I, I kind of think, can't change it anyway, fine, whatever. Yeah, that, I want to be a part of a bigger plan, even though it may be just a little piece, a little part. Last point I would bring out to you, learn the love of God and let it shine through you. See, it, it's not a point of arrival. Learning the love is not a destination, it's the journey. It's what happens within us. It's much like mathematics. It's much like other principles. Many of your vocational skills you've developed, you've learned upon learning, upon learning, upon learning. And, and love is the same way. We're, we're, we're experienced love. It's, it's implanted within us, but learning how to love in each season, in each, each situation, to not be overwhelmed by the problem, but learning to love and letting it shine through us. Because Christian, you're changed from the inside out. Religion will teach you to replicate what other people do. You just copy them. But there's, there's something about that. There's like no power in it. There's something knocking. But when we're changed from the inside out, there's some power. There's something different. I wish I could give you an analogy. I don't know what it would be, but you, you know what I'm saying? When we're changed, when love changes us, it affects people see the difference. And, and, it, and it's, it's something that God has actually empowered us to do. He's placed his love within us that we could be his agents, his instruments, his reflection, if you would, to those who are hurting, those who are doing well and just need a little help or whatever it may be. I'll we'll have Greg come back up. And close. We'll close in a song of worship, but there's one other verse I want you to look at. We'll bring it up. You have it in your Bible in Luke 1. And it's another story but it's a little earlier than what we've been reading about this morning in the sense of it's what the angel said to mary because see mary was told what's going to happen this conversation took place before any conversation with joseph and she was told about what was going to take place and she's concerned she's like okay but this is a reminder to you and to me we read in verse 37 of luke chapter 1 for with god nothing will be impossible and Mary responds there in verse 38, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. First part is for God, nothing will be impossible. Your scenario, your situation, God, he it's not impossible for him. And she realized for nothing will be impossible. And notice the next response. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. She didn't say what the scripture says blessed, most highest favor of all women. See, she could never say that. Her humility and her honesty would prevent her from making such a prideful proclamation. But God said that about her. She's just the maidservant. I'm just a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. May you request that as well. To be a servant as he would place it. And be able to say but privately and intimately, personally to God, let it be to me according to your word. God, could, could you just work out what you want to work out for your glory and for my joy? Because that's what our desire is, I believe. And then the angel departed from her. Will you stand with me? We'll close in prayer and a song as well together. God, as we would um, to stand here, as we would consider this message of yours, your word, I just thank you, God, that you write it upon our hearts, that you stir our minds to consideration, you invite us to a closer walk with you. And we just thank you for that, God, that you're so patient, so kind, so loving, Lord. Teach us your love, that we would learn it. If you're here or listen to this message and you just don't have that absolute certainty between you and God according to his word. You don't have that certainty that you're in right relationship with him, that you're forgiven, that you're born again, the Bible says. But I encourage you to, to deal with that real issue for you'll spend eternity somewhere either with God or separated from him. And I would encourage you to respond to what he's shown you. You know you've sinned. You know you've done things that are contrary to God's design and His intention and purpose for your life. And it would just be as simple as agreeing with God, with that truth. God, I agree that I have not followed You. I haven't made You first. I haven't considered You. I've done things contrary to You. I've sinned, I guess. And with that sin, I I know I'm accountable. I'm guilty. So I'd ask for your forgiveness, Jesus. I believe that you are God, that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a sinless life, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead bodily and ascended into heaven. I have questions about all these things, but I I believe, I choose to believe you, God. And so would you forgive me? Would you give me this new life today? that I would be born again, born of the Spirit, that I would follow you and turning away from those things that have kept me from you, living a life that would honor you I commit my life to you, God. And we would all say, oh Lord, may each one of us have that echoing in our heart. Let it be to me according to your design for my life according to your intentions and thoughts in this season. Let it be to me according to your word. Thank you, God. We sing to you with joy and gladness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.